Well, let me start by saying that um, I think it's getting easier to press record. Um, we only waited 11 hours this time. Um, Nick and I both woke up about five o'clock this morning and we um, just kind of started talking. And, um, you know, it's, it's just typical. We do that lots of days where we just start talking. And, you know, normally we talk for a couple minutes and get up and take a shower and have another day. But, but today we just kind of started talking about um, kind of some thoughts on what we talked about in, the, in episode one and episode two. So just to reiterate, this is John and Nick, and we're trying to process through the beginning stages, I guess. Stages is a, doesn't seem like the right word, but trying to process through the initial grieving stages of the loss of our one-week-old infant daughter, Leah Kayan. Um, so anyways, yeah, we were just kind of talking this morning and, um, started just rehashing some things we've talked about and, and I haven't really had any comments exactly on the, um, on like, you know, it's on Spotify now, but I haven't any comments there, like from the mass public or anything, but I've, I've had some private text messages with, um, with some close family and friends and, and. And because there's some information in here that's some people haven't heard, and um, and there's obviously lots of information here that's that's uncomfortable. Um, some just kind of questions have came up, and 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 I wanted to do a little bit of clarifying if I could. So the one that come up is in the first one when I was talking about the loss of my mother, and I just said that I didn't want to be in the room anymore, and I. And what I wanted was my mom back, but I couldn't have that. And immediately thereafter, I blurted out that I want my fucking baby back. And there's been several people that have brought that up and, and not in a negative way, but just that it was just a very powerful, raw statement in, in, in their right. But, but what I want to clarify on that is sometimes powerful and raw statements come out jumbled up and out of order. And, and we certainly, neither one of us really trust our minds right now. And the English language got the better of me that day. And what I was really going for was what I fucking want is my baby back. She's not my fucking baby. She's, she's just my baby. And I fucking want my baby back. So I just, I just wanted to clear that up. I, I, the, the way it came out the first time kind of sounded like there was malice in it and that, and it wasn't it. It's if there's malice, it's towards the world. Um, certainly not towards, not towards Leah. Um, um, one of the second things is, uh, or the second thing is I, when I was talking about the, the candles from the mission in 2008, I said that, that we had only lost my grandfather and that's, and that's not correct. We had, we'd had two other losses. Um, so in, in previous to 2008, so when we went to the mission for the first time that in between, um, Thanksgiving and Christmas, we, we got three candles that year, you know, um, and we, we, I said, we got the one for my grandfather. And I just, I just want to acknowledge that we, that we got one for, um, for baby H and for, uh, and for little M. And uh, you guys are, you're, you're not forgotten. Um, I had somebody tell me the other day that I need to, I need to say their name. 
And I, and I know that's, I know that's stolen from, from the BLM movement. So please don't take any offense, but it's a very powerful statement to try to say someone's name because they matter. And I think that's why we're doing this is we want, we, it, death is a very uncomfortable subject. Um, especially for white people in America. It's not something we talk about. It's a very uncomfortable subject. So to just say it again, to, to say their name, I we're doing this for Leah, for our Leah, my Leah, Nick's Leah, our Leah. But we're also trying to talk about this for, for some other people. We're talking for, for baby H. We're, we're talking for, for little M. And, um, and we're talking for for Lisa and for and for Ricky Joe and and for Melissa and there there's there's so many more and it's just it's awful that there's that many, um, but you need to say their names because they matter. Damn, they matter. Um. Um. Yeah. So to to kind of talk about the third point is. I wanted to talk about the minutes and, and I said that we had had the, the pleasure to have Leah in our lives and the, the pleasure is not the right word either. Just, just the honor, Nick said it right here, the honor, the honor to have Leah in our lives for 10,099 minutes. And it's, and it's not 35 years. It's, it's closer to 27 years, but, but that doesn't, but, 10,000, yeah, 10,099 10, days is, is closer to 27 years, but we talked about it. It could have been 30,000 days, which is 80 years, and it wouldn't have been enough unless Nick and I were already gone. No amount of days, no extra days, no extra minutes, it, nothing would have ever been enough. And I, and I had somebody ask me if, if, if we would if we would trade with somebody or if it, if it was different, if we were jealous or if people, if we thought maybe the people in the support group were jealous. And, um, yeah. And you, and, and another, a person in our support group and I, I, her baby's name was Catalea and you need to say it. You need to say Catalea because she mattered. And, and this person, she didn't get to meet Catalea. Um, but I, I'm not going to ask her, but I don't have to. I'll guarantee you that she would not trade the time she had with Catalea for the amount of time we had with Leah. Because those were her minutes with her baby. And they were the only minutes with the only baby that fucking mattered to her at the time. They all... All the babies matter and all the minutes matter and, and, and all the lost people matter. But what ultimately matters is your minutes with your baby. And um, for the friends of ours that lost their baby at 32 days, he told me the other day that he would, what he wouldn't give for 33, but he wouldn't trade the 32 for anything. And I, and I think that's important to, to remember that that we only had the time we had, but but I wouldn't trade any of it. Um, and then I wanted to talk about about my truths. 
and I and I said that that my truth is that is that four has to be enough, and that and that one through four, one two three and four, you guys have to know that you're you're enough, and your mother and I will stay for you. But what we want to what we want to clarify is that we we do hope to have uh, another baby in our lives and in this in this house and have the opportunity to be parents to an infant again. Um, and, and I don't know what route that'll be, but most likely will be adoption. Um, Nick and I will explore adoption. And um, part of the reason we haven't ever looked seriously, seriously at adoption before is honestly, it pisses us off that we have to like pass a test to be approved for adoption, to be a parent, like my, how much money's in my bank account and what my zip code is and my credit score matters. And it's honestly, it pisses me off. Um, like, I mean, I, I understand there has to be some kind of check and balance, but how about the fact that I've already raised four kids? <laughs> um, how about the fact that we're good people? Interview somebody, interview us, um, Interview our kids, put a webcam in my house for a month. I don't care, but it's the part of the reason we haven't done it is it's, it's, it's just the, the ugly bureaucratic invasiveness of it. I mean, when we were doing foster care, you have these kids come into your house that are, that are coming from an awful situation. They've been most likely been removed from an awful situation. There, there's certainly ones that got removed for, Somebody jumped the gun. It happens. But most of the time, it's an ugly situation. And the, to be a foster parent, you sit through know, 10 classes, 30 hours of classes, and then they come and do a home inspection and make sure that you, you have firearms are locked away and you got a pool fence and your dog's got their shots. And then you can take a child in your home that's broken. Traumatized. Traumatized child that's coming from a, from a home that is, they've just been ripped away from everything they've known. But to adopt one, and God forbid, love them forever like your own, you've got to spend $50,000 and jump through all these bureaucratic hoops. And at the end of the day, it pisses me off. To have to ask for permission. Yeah, to, to, have, to have to ask permission to, to, be, to be a parent. It's, um, yeah, just, it just, it, it angers me to know to no end. But, but that said, um, I will bite the bullet and fill out the papers and get out a checkbook, do whatever we have to do. If we decide we're going to adopt and that's what we're going to do and we'll play their game. And, um, at the end of it, at the, at, at the end of it, there will be a child that will be as loved and as cared for and as, as wanted as any child has ever been. But I want to make this very clear. That child is not 5B. That child is 6. That child will know of his or hers five siblings, his or hers two sisters and three brothers. This child will not be a replacement for us. There is no 
such thing as replacing Leah. It's not possible. And I, I, I think most people understand that, but, but there's this, this ugly statement that, that we haven't heard it in a lot. Most of the reason I think we haven't heard it is because of our age. But we know people in the support group that have heard it, and we know people personally that have heard it, that people say, well, you're young. You can try again. What the fuck does that mean? That you can try again? Like you just go to Walmart and get another one? It, the, I, I know nobody says that with, with malice. You're not saying it with, with hurtful intent, but I'm telling you right now, that's some hurtful shit. So before anybody ever thinks anything like that or says it, words do matter. That's why we said with the baby's names, you need to say them because it matters. And how you say it matters and what you say matters. The social conventions of life matter. But there's no, there's no replacing Leah. I would, we would never try. Never. Um, you can't see Nick here, but she's shaking her head. And she's been shaking her head for five minutes. There's no replacing. There's no replacing her. Um, same as all of, or not all of them. That's not the right way to put it. The other four, the other four are their own individuals and their, and their own special creatures. Leah is, is her own person and her, and her, and her own special creature. And she will always have this place in our heart that is just hers. We love all five of our children the same. There's no, there's no favorites. They're all love the same, but they all have their own nook. And Leah's nook is there, and she filled it with everything she had. She gave us all the time she had, and we and we stuffed it as, as best we could. She's still right there. She just isn't here in our arms. So another baby, if we're so blessed, doesn't try to fill that space that's shaped like Leah. They don't get the leftover love that we couldn't give her. They get their own. They make their own space. We create more love for them, just like you would if you gave birth to your second, third, fourth, eighth child, whatever. They don't take anything from the ones that came before. They make their own space. And um, some of the things you're going to hear in here are... are definitely come out a little jumbled and a little upside down. And I, and I, I think you all understand why that happens, but I, I also want everybody to know that we're not, we're not editing this. Um, outside of clearing the background noise and adding a little bit of bass or, and taking away a little bit of treble to make it, to listen, make it listenable. We're not editing anything. This is raw. This is us. We're, we've got a kind of simple little notes to ourselves and we're just going, um, this isn't going to be polished. We're not trying to clean it up to not hurt anybody's feelings. Um, but with that said, we're not trying to hurt anybody's feelings at all, ever. The next part of this, we're going to talk about things that could potentially hurt somebody's feelings, and that is not at all our intent. This whole exercise is just to open a window into what it's like 
to live in our heads right now. And I, that's been my biggest thing. And I don't want anybody to think that we don't appreciate them or that they're doing the wrong thing or whatever. I'm not, I don't want anybody's feelings to be hurt. We love every single one of you. Even if you haven't heard from us, we feel you. We appreciate you and we appreciate you thinking of us, praying for Leah. This is just where we are today. And with that said, keep in mind too that nobody elected us the prom king and queen of bereaved parenthood. We don't speak for anybody else. We speak for us. I don't speak for John. He doesn't speak for me. And we certainly don't speak for the community of people out here. This is just where we are. And there's a lot that you might relate to. There's a lot you won't. If you've never been through this, first of all, thank God. Because this isn't anything anybody should ever have to go through. But if you have, we see you, we hear you, we feel you, but we're not speaking for you. So if we're saying something and you're confused by it or think, I didn't go through that, or that's not me, it's not because you're doing it wrong, it's not because we're doing it wrong, it's just how we have to do it, and everybody's got to do it their way, whatever that is. Yeah, we've, um, Nick and I have tried to be very careful to not, to not speak for each other. Um, I told my mother-in-law today that, that, um, you know, Nick and I spend a lot of time together. We work together and we, and we walk together and obviously we live together and we, we probably spend a lot of, a lot more time together than a lot of married couples and, and, and it works for us. And, and usually, and, and this isn't going to, Nick's going to shake your head at me because we kind of talked about this earlier, but it's not about being on the same page exactly because you can't, we're, of course we're on the same page. We're both grieving horribly. So we're on the same page as far as that, but we're not, handling things the same or, 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 or learning to cope with them the same or, or, or process the same because we're able to do this now. Um, but trust me when I tell you this, I'm not fucking better. I'm just better at dealing with it or, or coping or hiding or absorbing, carrying it. I'm better at carrying it. But, um, but I told my mother-in-law today that, Nick and I are not exactly on the same page, but at least we're reading the same book. And, and that's why we decided to start doing this, or I decided to start doing it, because I, I felt like the, the book that I'm in, that there's probably other people in the same book. Again, not the same page, but the same book. Like they know where we're coming from, and, and maybe, maybe we're saying something that they've wanted to say and just didn't know how to put it together. Um, I mean, I hope so. And um, and I said, like, if, if this helped even one person, it would be it would be great. But I, at the end of the day, if it helps nobody other than telling Leah's story, 
that is way more than enough. Because that's what this is about. This is about Leah. This isn't, it's John and Nick talking, but this isn't about John and Nick. This is about, this is about Leah and, and how we got here and why we're here. And, um, and we're, we're not processing things the same. Um, Wednesday, for example, Wednesday was, was my day to not people. <laughs> I, uh, I woke up Wednesday morning. I had a couple appointments and, uh, I just didn't have it in me. I, um, luckily we're, we're blessed enough to own our own business. And I woke up and I changed my voicemail to not quite this blunt, but essentially we're closed today. We're not returning any calls today. We're sorry for any conveniences today. Somebody will return your call in the morning. And, um, I probably could have put it on one of my guys to have handled phone calls for the day and tried to keep work going and whatnot. But, I didn't even have the mental capacity to send a text to one of my employees and tell them they needed to be the boss for the day. And and they can. They were the boss all in November. Um, they took it and ran. But but Wednesday, I didn't have it in me to even do that. All I wanted to do was close my eyes and make the whole damn day go away. And I didn't want to talk to Nick. I didn't want to talk to any of our other kids. I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk to nobody. I didn't want to watch TV. I just wanted to to be. And um and Nick's not and, and she's different. When we when I first started doing this on the first two, I asked her if she would just be in the room with me and help kind of keep it on track, keep me aimed. Um, but this was for me and, and Nick loves me enough that she was willing to try to cope with her pain to hear me talk, to be able to do this. And, um, and today when we woke up, Nick was the one that just woke up and, and had this just pent up, just, just pent up that we needed to try to put this into words. Um, so that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing today. And, you know, we've had somebody tell us that, that, um, just getting out of bed in the morning, um, that's enough. If that's all you do, you, you woke up today. That's, that's enough. You don't have to do anything past that. Um, but to preface that, this is John's project. This is cathartic for him. It wasn't for me. And I participated because he's participated with me in what I needed. This is really hard for me. Anybody that knows me knows that I keep everything pretty close to the vest. John needs to talk. John needs people. I avoid them. He's the extrovert to my introvert. So for me, coming and laying out every detail of our time with Leah, of our experience with Leah, was so hard. Part of that is because outside of the six of us here, nobody knew her. They never met her. She was just an idea to them. She didn't exist in their world like she did in ours. They never touched her. 
They never heard how she had to breathe. They never had to suction her when it was hard for her to breathe. They never held her and felt how small she was. And they weren't there at the hospital when we were told there was nothing left for them to do. They couldn't fix her. So I kept all those details to us and I held them so close and it was pointed out by my therapist it was because I was protecting her. I was protecting my experience and my memories of her. I didn't share them with anyone else because she was mine. I referred to Leah most of the time as my Leah. She's mine and I didn't want to share her. I didn't want to let anybody in. John needed that. And I know our friends and family that listen to this, you loved her too. You loved her through us. But that had to be enough. So I'm trying to let go, trying to share her with you. I'm trying to be okay with it. And we're getting there, I guess. The words better and heal are stupid. The English language doesn't have words to describe what we need or what we feel. Because I don't think we are better. You don't get better. And we're not healing because you can't heal from this. There is no word to describe what it is that we're becoming. So, like I say, there's a lot that we want to talk about that a lot of it has to do with the words that we do have in the English language that will never be enough. Some of them are hurtful and you can't understand why until you sit on this side. And a lot of them we've all said and not for any reason other than that's the social convention, it's what you're supposed to do, it's what you're supposed to say. Yeah, yeah, the, um, and, and, and that goes both ways. Um, the, the friend of ours that, that lost their baby 18 years ago, I, I had said in the first one that, I, that I'm sure that we said something hurtful. Um, and it must have been agonizing. Unintentionally. Yeah, unintentionally hurtful, but, but still hurtful. And so I, I asked him, <laughs> and um, yep, yeah, he's like, I can't, I can't point to any one thing. But I'm, I'm sure that you 100% said something hurtful because everybody did. My mom did. My dad did. Grandparents, my siblings, everybody said something hurtful. Um, and they didn't mean it. And, and, you, and you rationally know that. Like we, Nick and I rationally know that nobody's trying to hurt us. 
Um, this is where we talked about. You feel like you live in two brains. You have a rational side and an irrational side, or at least that's how we refer to it. When somebody says, oh my God, I'm so sorry. The rational side of you hears that. The irrational side hears, oh my God, I'm so sorry, but I'm so glad it's not me. And that's not fair. And you try to rationalize and you try to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're not saying anything hurtful to you. They don't know what to say. In our culture, in this country, in Western society, we don't deal with death because it's uncomfortable. We don't talk about grief because it's hard. So when somebody's going through it, we don't have the resources to even know where to begin to deal with any of it. And the people that love them, the people that love the people that are going through it, don't have the resources or the tools to help. And it's not because they don't want to, it's just because that's where we're from. We don't talk about death, we don't deal with things that are hard and ugly because babies shouldn't die. It's not the way it's supposed to be. But when you sit on our side of the table and it did happen, you needed to be validated that it was real, that it matters, that that baby was real and they matter. But it's hard for people who don't understand this because they've never lived it to be able to reach out with words that are comforting when there's nothing comfortable about it. People like we do in the Midwest, if we love you and you're hurting, we feed you. We've done it more times than anybody our age ever should. But I don't want your casserole. I don't want your cupcakes. I want my baby. And it's, again, not because I don't appreciate you and the effort and the thought I do. Oh, we do. But I don't want that. The flowers that you send are beautiful, but I don't want them. I don't want to look at it. I don't, I don't want to smell flowers in my house and not smell the baby powder that I should be using on my baby. And again, I keep saying it because I can't make it clear enough. It's not because we don't appreciate you. We thank you for those thoughts and that effort because that does mean something. It's just, you have to understand where we are. That to look at those flowers every time I come down the stairs is just another punch in the gut. To see those cookies that you sent, I'm sure they're delicious, but I can't eat them. I can't eat. 
It's not you. It's the social convention. It's the overwhelming, profound sadness that can't be assuaged. And there's nothing you can say or do that makes that better. And I'm not asking you to. I am just trying to tell you what it's like for us, for those of you that don't know. And um, and, and we're and we want to try to be cognizant of it and, and careful, and we don't want to drive anyone away. Mm-hmm. We we need you all. Um, we're not ready to see you, but we need you. We're not ready to talk to you, but we need you. Um, and, and everybody's been great. You've, 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 everybody's texted me and emailed me or called me and has went through me. And I really do appreciate everybody doing that. And, um, and I'm not hiding anything from Nick. Everything that comes in, I talk to her about, I share. Um, but John it's. John has to be the filter right now. I, in two months, have not taken phone calls. I have not returned texts. And it's not because I don't want to hear you or I don't want to hear from you. I just can't right now. I hope someday, and I don't know when that day is, I hope I can reconnect with all of you and that you'll still be available when I do reach out. But today isn't that day and tomorrow won't be either. And I thank you for still reaching out to John because that means more than you know. He needs to hear from you. He wants to hear from you. I can't, not yet. Yeah, I mean, please, please comment. I'm, I'm not looking for validation. I promise you, I'm not. I'm not looking for validation. Um, but I'm, but I'm, I'm just looking for connection. Anything to feel, <laughs> fuck alive. Um, and and we and like I said, what we've been trying to really carefully say is like we don't want to hurt anybody either, and we hope we're not hurting any feelings. We're, we really, I mean that in my deepest soul. We hope we're not hurting any feelings because because we know the other side of the table that th- those friends of ours he said something um, that I didn't handle properly at the time and I don't I we didn't talk for a decade over a fucking sentence and it was a sentence that ultimately had no bearing outside of somebody that was lost, that was just talking, and I took the offense to it. And I took the, and I let it go about four or five years ago, and we've been fortunate to reconnect to some level. But I never got it until the 5th of November, until Leah passed. I never, I never got it. And, um, the, the decade of no friendship and, and distance and indifference was that was on me. So so we're we're trying to go with that is we we want to talk about this, but we don't want to drive any of you away. 
know that that anything we're saying is not directed at any one person. It's not at any one thing, and there's absolutely no malice behind it. Um, it's it's just facts. I um, have a biological brother who could not be hurting more for us. And I hope that he'll look for us when we're ready to look for him. I have two sisters who I chose. We were not born to the same families, but they are my sisters and I hope that you will be there when I'm ready for you. I hope that all three of you know how close we hold you how much we're going to need you, how much we're relying on you right now from a distance. But we won't always have to keep you at arm's length. But right now, that's the best I can do. You know, and, and to know that there was people thinking of us and 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 and. and we, because they're thinking of us, they're thinking of us because of Leah. And to know that 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 Leah matters to so many people, I can't even begin to explain what that means to us. When when she was first in the hospital, I you know I just asked people to 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 do what you do to 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 pray, to go to a walk, to do whatever your connection with the world is, to do it, and and to just think of Leah while you were doing it. And we had people thinking of Leah in, in Florida, Michigan, Northern California, Washington, D.C., Wyoming, Philadelphia, Peru, <laughs> um, around the world. Um, and just to know that the, the, the reach of that little girl was that strong that it tilted the earth a little bit that day and um and the love that we felt from everyone um honestly not for years you the, the people that we have in our lives the ones of you that are in our lives that are truly in our lives you you all tilt the world for us all the time and i hope we tilt it for you um you know i said i grew up an only child but i have i have siblings and i'm not Unfortunately, I'm not close with any of them except for my brother and, um, you know, big man and, and, uh, and my sister-in-law and, 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 you know, I've, I've, I've got your text messages and I, and I feel you and I, and I know there's anybody praying, buddy, you're doing it. Um, you're, you're looking out for us and, um, we didn't grow up together, but you're, you're my big brother and I, and I feel you, but, um, you know, growing up, growing up as an only child, my my boys are my brothers. Um, you know, like I said I'm not going to say your names, but I mean, you, when when we all get together, it's always like there was no time apart, and it's because we're just we're all just that close. I mean, I, you know, you guys know where I stand in my, or you, I know where you stand in my lives, and I hope that you all know where you stand and I screwed that up, but you know what I mean? Just, I love you guys. Um, 
we, uh, when we get together, it's always like no time has passed. And uh, it, it just takes a look or a nod or a, a smirk or whatever. And we're all right back to just being, just being family. I think back to when our daughter was first diagnosed with leukemia um, back in our oldest daughter with leukemia back in 99. You know, we were, like I said, we were kids. We were 21 and 22 years old. And um, we were in the hospital for 11 days then. And um, my boys kept vigil. Um, you guys would not let us be alone. Um, you, you looked out for us and, and, and you looked out for, for our daughter. Um, you know, it, it, sitting there in the room with her the first night and we've been there and everyone's exhausted and you hear this knock on the door at 4.30 in the morning. Then you look out and it's one of your friends that goes to college five hours away. We didn't even know what was going on until about nine o'clock. And somehow the word had got to him and he packed up his car and left. A 21-year-old college kid drives home from Indiana in the middle of the night because his buddy's hurting, his brother's hurting, his family's hurting. And um, and, and that's, all, that's just that's the kind of people we keep around us. And, um, you know, you, you sisters that, that, that Nick's talking about, um, you two are the real deal. And, uh, and when she, when she's ready, um, I know you guys will be ready. And I, I know from talking to you, you're not ready either, but, um, but, you, but you want to be, and, and you'll stay ready. And, um, just to, just to, to back at it again, that's like I said, that's why we're trying to be careful with this because the, you all matter so much to us that we don't want to drive anyone away while we're trying to sort through all of it, all of it. Um, but we, we've had a lot of people ask what they can do and, um, please don't take this the wrong way, but in, unless you have a time machine, there's nothing you can do. There's really not. Um, just, just be there when we're ready for us. Um, and, uh, and when we're ready for you. And, and right now it's Nick and I trying to, we're just trying to figure out how to be ready for each other. Um, Nick, Nick has slept in the dark um, her entire, I don't, I don't I'm never guess I've never asked her if she did as a child, but certainly as her adult life and since we've been together, she slept in the dark. And I mean dark, like pitch black, throw the blanket over the TV box, dark. Um, I always had an alarm clock and I'm not allowed to have one. I have to turn the phone upside down and hide it under the bed. Dark. But, um, when silent. in silent and no, yeah, I, I'm allowed to have a fan. Thank you. But, um, but that's it. And, um, when Leah came home, we, we were obviously, we were, we were out on the front porch or we were on the couch downstairs and stuff during the day, but the. The, the place that we felt the safest with her was in our bed. So when, when four would go to work and, when, and one, two, and three weren't there, we always migrated back to bed. And, um, and, and with that, yeah, yeah, between us. yeah, Leah on a, and put her on a pillow and I would, 
carry her upstairs carefully. Make her a little nest. Make her a nest, and I, I tell her, "Let's fly." And we um, and I swoop her down into her nest, and and then she would lay there between us, like us kind of at a forty-five, and her up between our heads. But we we knew we only had so many of them of those ten thousand and ninety-nine minutes. We, we didn't know how many we had, but we knew we only had so many. Um, so we turned the we we have a we have a master bath and we, it has a, just like a, a toilet closet that's kind of off to the side around the corner. So we turned that light on and kind of shut the door part way. So it was still dark in the room, but there was enough light that we could, we could stare at her. Um, we, we, I mean, ultimately, yes, we were, we were watching her breathe, but more than anything, it was just to see her, to stare at her, to, like Nick, Nick just said to memorize her face and her and her features and her little ears and her and her hair. She had such a little head of hair, um, but we we kept her a little knit stocking hat on her when it's going to be cold. Um, but we kept her between us where we could where we could see her, and and then when we would drift off to sleep, and we did, we we did we did sleep when she was here, and it was. And it was it was good sleep. It was comfortable sleep. She was with us, in between us, safe. But when we wake up in the yeah 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 don't yeah we didn't get eight hours. Um, but um, when we would wake up, she was between us, and we could see her. And um, you know, Nick and I have slept in the complete pitch black dark um, since we first lived together in in March of 1997. We've done nothing but sleep in the pitch black dark. Um, we have a black dog that likes to get up out of his bed and lay in the middle of the room like a jerk. And um, we've both barrel rolled over his ribs more times. <laughs> We're both laughing. We both, we both heard a right as we, as we got him in the middle of the night because you just can't see him. And he's about blind and deaf and doesn't know we're coming. So it's, it's pretty uncomfortable for everybody involved. Um, got a pretty, uh, pretty sharp cedar chest at the end of the bed that's got a kneecap or two. But, um, where I'm going with that is we've slept in the dark all these years. And, um, and we have a king size bed because uh, let's be, I, I'm, I, I'm the big, I'm the big baby. I like, I'm the cuddler. <laughs> um, I'm the big teddy bear. Don't tell anybody my secret, but, um, I'm the big, I'm the big, burly, chubby, tattoo sleeved guy that likes to cuddle but um but I'm not. yeah nick don't like to be touched just stay stay away from me he can as a yeah you know just stay yeah, i'll leave that there but um <laughs> just uh didn't want to be touched but but since um since leah came came home and and then and then and then since she's left um <laughs> Nick and I can't sleep in the fucking dark anymore, and we could fit a twin size bed, um, and it's the only way either one of us can ever fall asleep. Um, yeah, TV on too. Um, it's just one of those things that that's changed our changed our life, and um, for a lot of you. Whether you've gone through this specifically or you've lost someone else or 
whatever. I'm not, this isn't educational or inform, informational or whatever. This is just us. But if you've never seen anybody going through grief at night, you haven't seen the real them. We go to bed about as soon as it's dark, which out here is six o'clock. You go to bed and you watch TV until you hope that you're tired enough to sleep. You don't turn the TV off. You don't turn the light off. You curl up as tight as you can, right next to, hopefully, that you have a partner and you're not doing this alone. You curl up as tight as you can to keep from falling apart. And you finally do fall asleep. But you don't stay asleep. Sleep can come in 15 minute increments. And it did for a long, long time. And when you wake up, it's like a tape on a loop that doesn't stop. You try to find some stupid something on TV that's distracting enough that hopefully you'll be tired enough you can go to sleep again. Sometimes you can, most times you can't. If the person next to you can sleep, you don't want to wake them up because you, you don't want to interrupt their sleep like yours has been interrupted. Sometimes you can't not. You have to wake them up and not be alone in this silence, in the dark, in the worst part of the 24 hours of every day. So you do wake them up and you just sit together and you don't say anything because there's nothing to say. You just hold on to each other, try to get through it until you can fall asleep again or until Sometimes it's 4.30 in the morning and you go for a walk for two miles in the middle of the night in the dark and cold because there's nothing else you can do. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to educate anybody. I'm not trying to inform anybody of anything. I'm just... John wants to give the full picture to all of you. I don't know if you asked for it or not, but I'm trying to give that to you and to him to have all of it. Yeah, and not to cut Nick off here, but I'm not, nobody, nobody's asking for the full picture. Just so you know, no, nobody's asked me. This isn't, this isn't people saying, please explain to me how you're doing this or how do you get through it? It's, it's not that it's, I need to be able to explain where my brain is to try to process through where my brain is to, to figure out how to, number two said it best here today, I've got to figure out where my brain is so I can figure out how to find two hours where I don't have to listen to the damn thing. Um, 
And and that's kind of why we're we're doing this. It's like you said, it's it, it, it's for me, and and it's for Leah. It's 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 for me to tell Leah's story, and to tell how we got here. And um, um, yeah, I'm sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Well, like you said earlier that I want to pause this. I don't want to edit it. Um, but yeah, it, it it takes you down some paths. I mean, like Nick said, we've we've walked for. 4.30 to 6 in the morning. Um, a couple weeks ago, I, I I upset her, and I don't it – w- it was really over nothing. It was over a conversation about not living in this house because it's hard to be here, but we also can't imagine not being here, and it's a very double-edged sword, catch-22, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and I upset her, and she – got out of the truck and told me that number four was coming to get her. And I said, okay, I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry and, and have a good day. And I went to work and nine hours later, I, she called me and she'd been walking and she was nine miles from where she'd started. Um, I think she walked more than nine miles in nine hours, but she doubled back and, uh, I had no idea. And, and then when I got home that night, I was angry. And I was angry because I, I, I felt like she couldn't tell me where she was at. And it wasn't until she tried to explain where she was at to know that she didn't know where she was at. So how the hell was I supposed to understand? Same as like, we talked about a little bit ago, Wednesday was my day. Like Wednesday was, Nick didn't know where I was Wednesday. And, and I tried to explain where I was and it wasn't any one thing. It was just just didn't, just didn't have it that day. Um, and that's where again, John and I are a team. We are the OG version of Ride or Die. And we have been for 26 years. And even though we're experiencing the same thing, we're not processing it the same. It, everybody has to do this their own way, whatever that is. If you need to be alone, do that. If you're like me and you can't be alone, do that. I walked for nine hours because I didn't want to be anywhere. I found a cemetery and I went and I read Headstone and I found other babies there, which in a sick way was comforting. But I found a corner in the sun and I sat down and I fell asleep. That's not normal behavior. Who does that? I needed to do that that day. When I sat in that cemetery, I screamed Leah's name. I cried and I let out so much because I didn't feel like I had anywhere else to let that go. In the middle of nowhere, no one's going to hear me. No one was looking for me. I didn't have to be anywhere. So it wasn't. 
It's the second time that I walked away from John. When I was in a situation I didn't know what to do with. First time was in an outdoor restaurant. I didn't want to eat, but everybody keeps telling me I have to. And I look up to order and waitress standing there next to my chair was probably seven months pregnant. And I couldn't deal with that right then. And I don't wish anything bad on her. I hope her baby is healthy. I hope labor and delivery and everything goes well for them. But it didn't for me. It didn't for Leah. And I couldn't stay there. So I walked away and I kept walking. With nowhere to go. I just screamed and cried and kept walking. John doesn't need to do that. And that's okay. And we're getting to a point where we respect each other's process, that yours doesn't look like mine, mine doesn't look like yours, and that's okay. Just so long as yours doesn't interfere with mine, mine doesn't interfere with yours. Just, we said this early on to each other, do whatever the hell you have to do to get through the day. And that's all we can do right now. I don't even know day to day what I'm gonna need or what I can do, if I can do anything. Yeah, we, um, I said I can't, I can't, I cannot begin to process the loss that Nick feels as Leah's mother. Same as there's no way that Nick can understand or try to process my feelings as, as Leah's father. Um, I can tell you for me as being the, like we talked about this earlier, like I feel like I'm the, the problem solver or the protector or, or, or the, the man of the situation or whatever, however you want to word it, being fucking helpless and knowing that no matter what I say is wrong and it, and it's not comforting and, but I, but I can't just not say anything. You, you have to, that's where we're talking about the social dimension. Like you, you, you can't just say nothing. You can't, there's time, there's time, there's times and there's times you should say nothing. There's times that I, I know my, the Nick's, Nick's sisters of both asked if they can come here. Can, can, do you need me or not, not asked if they can come, but, do you need me to come? Do you need me to be there? And I know that both of them would come in the door, would go grab Nick and wouldn't say a damn word. Neither one of them would say a word. But by not saying a word, they're speaking volumes. Um, and there may be a day, ladies, that I call you and tell you it's time to get on a plane and don't worry, we'll whip the MasterCard out and we'll see you as soon as we can. Um, but it's... It, <laughs> It's not going to be today and it's, and it's not going to be tomorrow. And, um, and for me, I have a whole group of guys that I want to see that I need to see. And, 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 and I want to see my, and they're my sisters by choice too. And I, and I want to see you. And I, 
we want we want to see I want to see Nick's brother, my brother. I want to I want to see both my brothers. Um, but it's it's not today, and it and it won't be tomorrow. Um, yeah, tomorrow we're just uh, we we've kind of found some comfort with having the the kids all over, and we're and we're all together, and and tomorrow everybody's schedule is going to align that we can have a. as close to a family dinner as possible. Um, there's always going to be, there's always going to be somebody missing from the table, but, but we're gonna, we're gonna just have us and, and try to be as whole as possible. And, and, um, and we appreciate everything everybody's trying to do for us. And, um, we said it before, we love, we love you all. And um, if there's anything anybody wants to know or wants to talk about or maybe has anything that comes to mind that we haven't talked about or haven't discussed or, or just anything, you know, you all have my number, you know, please, please text me. I, I, when, when, I, I, when, I, when I get a text at two in the afternoon and I'm trying to fix something, I get frustrated, but it doesn't mean I don't appreciate it. Um, any of you know me know I can't have a notification on my phone. It drives me insane. I have to look at it and I might not answer right away, but I do, I do appreciate all every, every time someone reaches out, it's just a, it's, it's just, you, you, you can, you feel it. You get a, what they call it, you have itch on your nose or your, or your ears are ringing or whatever. And I, and I can feel you all. And so anyways, if there's, if there's anything anybody wants to know, or if we haven't talked about it. Um, please let me know. And um, again, I appreciate everybody respecting Nick's wishes to not reach to her. Um, but if there's something specific that you'd like her to know, you can absolutely let me know. And I will. And um, and like I said, I, I'm not hiding anything from her. I'm reading her everybody's texts. I'm, um, she can have my phone anytime she wants if she wants to read them herself. Um, but anyway, just to back up one more time, just we, we love you all, and um, and the world's pretty crazy right now, but that's a whole another subject. Um, so everybody, just uh, just stay safe out there, and because uh, we're all going to need to be together again.